News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, I'm Rick Van Dominic, you're listening to Garden Talk. Uh, I want you to join me today at one 332 8255 That's one 332 8255 While the weather's kind of been hanging on there, we've actually had a pretty good pretty good um, run this fall with the weather and uh, last night I ended up uh, in for a few hours in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan and watching my grandson play some playing the Moose Jaw Warriors so I had some fun there uh, watching them watch them um, actually sorry Moose Jaw to beat the Moose Jaw Warriors last night <laughs> so it was um, it was fun to be able to get out there and watch uh, you know Moose Jaw you have a, a great facility there and a great place for to be able to gather to see those kind of events the, um, well, with this weather, uh, see, driving home last night, I pretty much drove all the way back through a little bit of a mist of rain, so that's kind of nice to see. We're getting a little bit of moisture uh, because it has been pretty dry out there. So, And that's something you can be doing in your yard is just even, like I've been talking all all year long about that your piece of rebar, uh, 3 8 rebar, just to be able to stick it in the ground. You can even check to make sure your plants are have enough moisture to be able to, for the wintertime to get started next spring. Stick it down about 12, 16 inches, depending on if it's a tree or shrub. And uh, just when you pull it up, the ribs on the rebar will bring up a sample, and then you'll know whether you need to uh, bring some, most of you have the water turned off right now, but for some of your junipers and cedars and those kind of things, especially those ones, you can actually just take some pails out there and give them some water just to be able to sustain them through the wintertime because the ground is still pretty warm. Um, so the, the plants will take up that moisture and last them through that time. So last week um, um, we had a recorded show. We uh, talked a lot about pruning. And uh, so I know that uh, by, by a lot of the emails I got, a lot of people are still have a lot of questions about that. So if you have some questions today, uh, you may want to give us a call and or give us a, on the text line as well because that one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is also your text line, and so um, we had lots of questions on pruning coming in, and so I know that if you didn't have yet some questions from what we were talking about last week, you can still um, call in this week and ask me some lot of questions about uh, about um, about pruning. Um, last week um, I was away in Kelowna and uh, visiting my son and my daughter-in-law out there and also uh, uh, taking my, my daughter had, uh, had a, her stag head out there. She's getting married this winter and, and so I was, the, I was the, the limousine driver. I was the 15 passenger driver for the van so we were driving around to a lot of the, the wineries so I got uh, able to go out there and check a lot of the, the vines out there and, uh, uh, and so I stayed out of the tasting room so I went and checked checked out the vines and and seen the plants around there and uh, and the colors in Kelowna were amazing um, especially over at Quillsgate they had a whole bunch of um, of uh, burning bushes um, the, the dwarfed wing burning bush and those ones they were just in full red 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 color and it was just it was gorgeous looking at all the colors out there I always get pretty jealous when I head out to those kind of places too because in the landscape I see a lot of the uh, uh, the, things like Japanese maples and and a bunch of different hydrangeas that we just can't grow here because they're not hardy enough here and uh, it just I just sort of I'd end up drooling and saying oh, I wish we could plant that in Saskatchewan. Uh, so it's uh, but it's fun to go and and see all the different landscapes in that area and what they can do and with the different types of plants. So it was fun. It was a fun time there and a good time to visit and catch up with my son as well. 
So here we must get right to it. We have uh, Larry in Osler. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. I'd like to know how to store turnips for the winter. Uh, turnips, you can store turnips just like you would basically even store your carrots or even potatoes. Um, so put them in a, in a, either in a, store them in a, in a bag if you want. Uh, uh, probably a good type of bag would be like a burlap bag or something like that, something that breathes. Okay, um, or you can put them into sand, you know, a pail of sand or a box of sand, and and that works really well to keep them fresh as well. Um, worked that, tried that with carrots, and uh, the carrots are just sweet like for a long, long, long time. So they'll they'll keep really good. So then you just layer them uh, in the sand, and then um, uh, that works that works really well. Now remember when you when you store them in in your basement or or in your garage, it has to be someplace that you're sitting about the, the temperature of your refrigerator. Okay, so so around around four degrees in that range, if you can. Uh, if you go up warmer, then um, then you just have to make sure that it's fairly dry and. Uh, uh, that it's not too much moisture in in the um, in the with around the turnips, otherwise they will start to rot on you. Would peat moss work? Peat moss would work, but just a very just a very 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 slight hint of moisture. If the peat moss is wet. Don't use it because you'll have lots of problems then. Okay, you can even use sawdust. Sawdust would work too. Okay, uh, just make sure there's just a little hint, barely any moisture at all. Okay, but just just not in a bone bone dry, and uh, that would work as well. So you don't have to bother with paraffin wax? Uh, sorry, say that again? Wax? Oh, with the wax? Yeah. No, no, you wouldn't have to do that. As long as you, um, unless you're going to preserve them, you want to keep them for a long, long time, but otherwise, no, you wouldn't have to worry about that. Great, thank okay. you for your help. You're welcome. We have Sue in Silver Park. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, how are you? I'm very good. Awesome. So... I was talking to a neighbor friend of mine, mm-hmm. and I had mentioned to him it's probably a good time to cover your strawberries and your perennials with leaves because we don't have any snow yet and it's getting pretty cold at night here. And he said to me, well, why do we have to cover them at all, he says, because the frost goes down like nine feet. So how does covering them do anything? Well, covering them, it's, it's amazing because uh, usually, usually until we get snow, the temperature usually doesn't go that the temperature won't go that that deep okay and if you get a place where you haven't been walking on or driving on the frost won't drive that far that deep down to the ground and it's quite amazing i've i've did, did a lot of uh, experiments with my you know uh, wintering containers and i used a lot of data loggers and temperature probes and everything else and it was quite amazing i uh, one year i put uh, my probes in my underneath my piles uh, where I cover up with insulated uh, blankets, and uh-huh. in the in the soil, it never it it, it dropped down until the st- the snow came. It dropped down to uh, minus eight in underneath the blanket, and then as soon as the snow came and put a layer of snow over top of the the, the tarp, it went up to minus two and stayed there all winter. Okay, and I put one pot outside, just sitting on top of the ground, and it went down to minus eighteen in the inside that pot root, which was pretty cold for that pot, so there could have been some root damage. But then, as soon as it got, that pot got covered up with snow, the temperature went back up to minus two again. So it's quite amazing. All you're really trying to do with your leaves and everything else is just capture the, the shoulder seasons. So you're trying to catch November, because a lot of times the temperature in November won't go down below minus 15. Every once in a while, well, and then usually when we're going to get the really cold temperatures, you'll see almost every year we'll get a, a, a skiff of snow. Even if it's only half an inch or an inch, that's enough to protect your perennials. 
Like, I know that people use geothermal, right, which is getting the heat out of the ground. That's right. Does that play a factor? Oh, yeah. yeah. Heat comes up from the ground. So that's why if you put that insulating blanket on, it's like putting an extra blanket on in the wintertime and you go to bed at night, right, because it feels a little colder. Oh, right. It just keeps the heat in from your body, right? And so when you put that extra snow or leaves or mulch or peat moss or whatever top of your strawberries, your perennials, that just gives them that extra little bit of time to protect them until the snow comes. Once the snow comes, they're fine. So let, let's say your strawberry bed is about two feet wide. If you cover them with like two and a half feet of leaves, is that enough area? Yeah, well, I, try try to go wider if you can, because like you talked about before, you're trying to keep that heat sink from the. You talked right. about geothermal, right? right? So the wider you can go past your plants, the more in, in, in more you'll you'll get benefit from it. Like when you when they build houses right now, they when they put the the footings down in, in, on a grade beam or anything, they put a they put almost four feet out away from the house. The, they put a styrofoam to keep that frost from going down and penetrating underneath the foundation. Right. So it's the same okay. thing. You go farther out, you'll have a better success of of uh, keeping the the heat sink up and keeping the plants warmer for the wintertime. Okay, one more thing. Like, how thick a layer would you put over your strawberries of leaves? It doesn't need... If you're using leaves, it's amazing. Yeah. You want to fluff them up, you know? So the more air pockets, just like regular insulation, the air, more air you got in, the more insulation yeah. value, right? So right. if you got strawberries, if you put them, like, with leaves, if you put them, like, at least 12 inches uh, thick... And uh, and if you've got, a, let's say, a rose or something that's taller, you want to go up taller to protect the branches as well. But you remember, always as high as you go tall, you want to go much wide, almost twice as much in the width, okay? Okay, does the same apply to, say, covering garlic? Uh, garlic, yeah, exactly, yeah. Especially, okay. like, garlic is pretty tough. It doesn't really need that much covering, just like your tulip bulbs and everything else. It's only, I suggest, is if you plant garlic late in the fall or tulips or daffodils. Like, if you plant, some people are planting tulips right now because they forgot, they, never, they all of a sudden found that bag that they bought at the store oh. and now need to plant them, right? So now right. there's still lots of heat in the ground. There's still lots of heat in the ground. The ground hasn't started freezing yet. So you can just throw some leaves on there. That'll give them that little bit of extra time to get rooted this fall yet. It's quite amazing they'll still root. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye. Uh, good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Damendijk. I'd like you to join me here on the call line at one 332 8255 And that's also in the text line, same number, one 332 8255 While I was driving here today, um, I drove by a few spots where people had put the burlap around their cedars already. And uh, I noticed that this is the time of the year I always like waiting till the end of October, beginning of November, to cover them. Because one thing you got to remember about wrapping uh, the cedars is you're not trying to protect them from the cold. You're basically trying to shade them. You're trying to keep the sun off of them. But one thing I noticed on, on each one of those um, cedars that I saw wrapped today as I was driving here is that they were wrapped right down to the ground. And when you wrap the cedars right down to the ground, what happens is that, if we, as we talked about in the last segment, is when the frost starts getting into the, into the ground, the, that burlap, when it's right down to the ground, the snow can't get in right up against tight to the trunk of the tree. So that prevents that. So then all of a sudden, all winter long, it's going to stay like that. And, the fro- and let's say it goes down to minus 40. The, that cold weather will go right through the burlap, right down into the roots, and then it could harm the tree and, and damage the root system. So that's why you want to leave that burlap at least six inches off the ground, okay? Don't put that burlap right down to the ground when you're wrapping your plants. 
and keep it off the ground so that the snow can get underneath there and protect the roots. That's very, very important. So that's something that I saw today that I just wanted to pass on because that's uh, that's um, you don't want to, especially you've got some people wrapping their either young cedars or even older cedars, you just don't want some damage happening into there. So going to the text line right now, um, we had Jerry in Saskatoon says, Good morning. Is it okay to put slow-release fertili- fall fertilizer down on my grass and leave it dormant till the spring? Um, yes, that would work. Uh, one thing I remember is that uh, I like I like putting the fall fertilizer down if I can get some moisture to it. So actually today, with a little bit of moisture here, a good day to do it, get out your rain jacket and get out there and put it on. Because the, you got to remember, slow-release fertilizers also release a portion of the, of the fertilizer right away. And so in order to release that, you need moisture. And so, um, so that, that's why I like doing it before I blow up my sprinklers, uh, or do it before just a rain like this right now. And then, yes, that's why when you put it now, it'll actually, um, prepare the roots because the roots are still, the roots are still warm. They're still taking nutrients in. And, um, and then next spring, they're just, you'll have the best looking lawn in the block. So that's one thing you can do there. Um, also another texter here, I got Ken Jones from Regina. Um, all my coleus cuttings, uh, roots made water. He put coleus cuttings in water for about two weeks, transplanted in the potting soil and getting sunlight from the north and east, decreasing, decreasing the light, uh, because, um, because of its north and east is not getting quite, quite as much sunlight, especially this time of the year. Uh, could I put them under grow lights for four hours a day? Absolutely. Uh, if you want to really get them growing, you want to have a, a, a total of at least 12 hours of light a day. So, uh, so if you can supplement in those off times, uh, that'd be perfect for those plants just to be able to, to be able to grow and sustain themselves. And, um, uh, even if you went for eight or 10 hours and then you're not really forcing them to grow that much this time of the year, that'd be even better. So that would work good. Um, also I have, um, Willia, sorry, in Regina. I have a Hoya plant that is in the second year. It's trailing about three feet down and looks very healthy. I want to know how to help this darn thing to bloom. And so one thing I remember is um, a Hoya plant, is. you said it's only in its second year. Hoya plants, sometimes they'll bloom in the first, second year, but most Hoyas won't bloom until like four to seven years of age. So one thing you got to make sure you got, uh, if you wanted to get a bloom, you have to uh, give it as much light as you can, So, but not direct sunlight. So put it close to a, a, it's like a south window or a west window, but away from the window. So they're getting really, really bright light, but but not direct sunlight. And then also making sure that you're using some fertilizer for it, like a cactus fertilizer would work good. And also, even if you if you want them to trigger them also, um, just mist them three or four times a week. Just a light misting. And that might help them too to trigger. Um, sometimes uh, with Hawaii plants, if, even if you have to, you give them a little bit of cooler temperatures. So um, uh, in, in the fall, that might sometimes will trigger them as well, um, because then once you'll get some a few days of cooler, especially cooler nights. Um, so then a lot of times if you had them in the fall, it's a little bit too late now, but if you had them in the fall, like in the end of August, sitting outside or near a window where you can open the window, so you get the cooler nights, sometimes that will trigger it as well. So we also have here um, uh, a call from Martha in, in Martinsville. Good morning. How do I start geraniums indoors um, from this year's plants? Can I take uh, this take sand from the kids' sandbox and set up containers for storing carrots for the wintertime? Um, there's two questions there. So first of all, uh, the geraniums, best thing to do is to, to take your geraniums and give them a rest. Okay, so trim them down. 
to around six or eight inches off the pot. And then just put them in a place where there's a little bit of light, like in your basement window or something like that, uh, where there's just a little bit of light, and you're just going to not water them very much at all. Just let them go dormant, just so I don't want them to go bone dry. I want to water them every once in a while, just so they don't go bone dry, but I want them to go dormant for a bit, okay? And then in January, I'm going to bring them up, and I'm going to put them in the sunlight, and I'm going to start getting them to grow, give them a bit of fertilizer then, and get them to grow. And then those new shoots you're going to have, then you can take cuttings off those new shoots that are starting to create that plant from growing. And using a stem root number one, you put some rooting hormone on the cuttings, and then you stick them into some jiffy pots or some jiffy sevens or some potting soil, and then you can, or even stick them into water, and you can get them to root that way. So that's the best time to to take care of that. And... um, and they do good. Uh, another question I had here from Darcy, can you spread alfalfa pellets on your lawn in the fall? Absolutely. Um, you can put alfalfa pellets in, in the, on your lawn in the fall. The only thing you want to make sure that uh, if you're going to put it in the fall, uh, put it down. There again, I like to get a bit of water to it, but if you can, rake it down so it gets right down into the soil. And that way, because um, also, because if you leave those alfalfa pellets just sitting on top of the ground, you'll notice a lot of our towns and cities right now have these little... Um, four-legged white animals with long ears on them. And if they find that alfalfa pellets, they're going to be in your lawn all winter long feeding on those alfalfa pellets. So uh, so that's one thing you do, just make sure that you... Uh, that you rake it down so it gets right down into the into the into the into the roots of the plant, and uh, especially if you get some rain like this or just before snow, that will work really good too. Um, one caller here also have here Martha from Washington from from uh, Martinsville. Good morning. Do you have do you have to wrap wrap with burlap newly planted Swedish aspens for the winter time? Uh, snow in the driveway usually dumped in this area where the newly planted aspens. Um, no, absolutely not. You don't need to wrap. Um, the only reason you need to put any protection on the aspens uh, is that if you are ha- in, in the country and you have uh, deer around, the bucks are in the rut right now and they love aspens to rub their antlers on. And so you want to put a fence around them or what you could do. I've tried that at my house is that in the acreage where I was is I took some Irish spring some bars of soap, and I just rubbed it up and down the bark, and the smell of that, they don't like to get that on their antlers when they're rubbing there, so that works really well, too. Um, so, um, so, but otherwise, yeah, just protecting them from the animals, that's the biggest thing you got to do there. Good morning, I'm Rick Van Damnick, and this is your listening to Garden Talk this morning. We'd like you to join me here on the text line or on the call, uh, 1-877-332-8255. That's one 877 Three three two eight two five five. I just want to expand a little bit about uh, the deer, and, and we're talking about the aspens before on how to protect the deers. Because I know that this year, um, with the deer going around, and there's probably with the less uh, less uh, grass and that kind of stuff, because such a dry year, less plants had a lot of new growth on them. So the deer are going to be moving to people's yards quite a bit this winter, especially if we get a lot of snow. Like they are talking about, we're supposed to get a lot of snow again in November. So a couple of things you can use. Uh, we talked about uh, Irish Spring rubbing it out to keep the deer from um, from rutting on your, on your aspens, but also uh, best thing is like I said, put a, if you have apples or flowering crabs or those kind of things where the deer come or even the rabbits, probably the best thing is a fence, uh, even a piece of uh, snow fence, anything to put around them just to keep the the animals away from there. Or there's other products called Bobex, which is 
mixture of a whole bunch of cayenne peppers and garlics and all kinds of different things in there. Um, uh, another one's called plant skill. That's another one that's a mixture of all the different things that work pretty, pretty good. Uh, but also there's a lot of people that make up their own remedy. So that's one thing that I I'd, uh, enjoy to have you call in if people have a home remedy that they mixed up all the different peppers and garlics and, and all those kind of things. Uh, just call in and let other people know what you've used, um, in your yard as well. Um, so another question I have here on the text line here, uh, does shoveling driveway snow onto the lawn harm it salts, gravel, or compaction for the following year? Um, salts is a problem. Uh, just make sure that um, a lot of people, you get the, you go to the, the, the stores and you see all those bags of rock salt down there. Um, if you can, if you, if you're worried about your grass or if you got, especially if you got plants along your driveway, uh, try to stay away from that. There's lots of, you have to pay a little bit more money for it, but there's lots of salts, uh, that you can put down for your driveway and your sidewalks that are safer, uh, for, um, for, for your, um, for your driveways and that. And so, um, uh, just make sure you just ch- check, check out the bags and, uh, and, and check what is good for that because yeah, the salts, the gravels and that, uh, not so much. You just have to make sure you rake it out and, and with the gravels, uh, in the spring. Um, cause you usually don't get that much gravel unless you're putting some of your own gravel on your driveways and that. So, um, and the compaction is not really that big of a deal with compaction from the snow and that kind of stuff. So, um, just make sure you check your salt, what type of salt you're putting on. Uh, another question here uh, from Janice and Wilkie, another question about a Hoya. I have one that's about three years old and is doing great. The vine's about five feet long. I had it in a small pot and I transplanted it and now the vines and everything have dried out and it doesn't look like there's any growth. Uh, I was careful when I transplanted. Are they sensitive to that? Yes, Hoya are very sensitive. Um, if you, They like to be root bound, so only transplant if you actually really, really need to. And uh, one thing you have to make sure that when you transplant it, use a new pot or if you're using an old pot, sterilize it really well uh, because they can get fungals in, in the root system really bad. So, um, And then just make sure that you don't put it in direct sunlight after you transplant it. Uh, put it away from the sunlight so you maybe get a few hours of, of morning sun or just some bright light but not direct sunlight because a lot of times you want to put your Ahoya right in the, in, the, in the sun but when you've transplanted it, you don't want to do that. And then just make sure you moisten it just to settle this, this, the, um, the dirt around the roots. And um, uh, that's about, it's, like I said, it's, it's, Ahoyas don't like to be uh, transplanted that much, so only do it if, you, if your pot's really, really small. Uh, otherwise, they don't mind being in, um, in, in, a, in a small pot. So, okay, good. Uh, here we got Martha. Uh, we did that one already. So uh, the other thing we had here is um, people are asking me, can I still plant? And I say, yes, you can still plant. You can still plant some shrubs and trees or transplant them around your yard. Um, one thing I, I, we just did a whole condo project uh, just last week. So, and I just noticed even along, um, along Highway 11 here, just coming into Saskatoon, they just planted a whole bunch of big trees around the clover leaf there. And, uh, so that there, this, now's a good time. It's not a problem. I planted, my average planting time is up to around November 11th. That's been my average. Some years is way earlier and some, some years later. My latest time I've ever planted uh, a tree is uh, November the 23rd. We didn't have no snow that one year and, uh, no, no, and it didn't freeze that bad. And so November 23rd was the latest time I planted. You just have to make sure you have some uh, a water by pail or something like that to settle the soil in around the roots and they'll be just fine. So um, that question, and if you're going to plant some, transplant some, um, 
uh, some perennials, just mulch them heavy with some uh, bark mulch or peat moss or something like that, just to, to keep them um, uh, so that they, they can get rooted a little bit longer before the ground really freezes hard. But otherwise, uh, just protects them from that hard frost and they'll be fine. Um, uh, also, people are asking me about, uh, about is it still, can I still um, uh, water my plants in? And uh, so, yes, absolutely. Um, water your plants in, uh, even if you have to just haul a pail out there. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, just make sure that, uh, especially your cedars and junipers and those kind of things, because they have needles that stay on all year round. So it's the sunlight in the, in the, um, in mainly in March, which gets them. And so you just want to build up that reserve of moisture in the needles right now, so that they can get through that time in in the spring. Some people, what they do too, we talked about putting the burlap on. And sometimes they'll use. Um, if you're worried about your cedars and you don't want to put the look of the burlap, you can use some wilt-proof, and it's a it's an anti-desiccant. It's basically spraying a wax uh, onto your onto the needles of your plant, and that'll just help retain the moisture so they don't desiccate uh, with the with the sun. And remember, the sun that we're worried about is the March sun, or if in February, if we get a, one of those Chinooks where it gets you know you know plus ten or plus five or something like that. Uh, that's where it's the worst, especially up against the house. Because remember, if it goes to plus five or even zero up against a white house, right up against the house, it could be up to plus 10 there just for a short period of time. But then you get that warm temperature and the nighttime it drops down. So you just want to protect those plants, uh, whether by shading them somehow uh, or just keep throwing snow over top of the plants. That's a big one, too, to help uh, keep that happening there. Um, um, I, I know it's fall because uh, this last Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, we started covering up the plants at the garden center. So all the plants that are in pots, we're getting ready to cover them up with the tarps. And uh, and then Monday morning, I got to go out and finish blowing out all my sprinklers because I, I couldn't blow the sprinklers out because we still have plants in pots. So we had to give them one last good watering. So the season has come to end when I know when I get the compressor out and get the, and blow all the big irrigation lines out at the nursery and at the garden center. So, uh, that's a time when we know that, uh, that it's time for, for fall and put things away. And, um, uh, that's, that's, uh, it takes care of that. One thing I wanted to talk about too is when you're cleaning up your yard, uh, there is a little invention, a person that invented a product in Saskatoon. And this is a, it's, it's basically called, um, a quick baggot. Now, Quick Baggett is a, is a fellow here in Saskatoon. He, um, Harold, he invented this product. And it's, it's Quick Baggett. It's a, it's a holder to hold your bags, any type of bags you want. They do have bags. They have also to hold your, your bottles in and also a green bag to hold all your, your, uh, refuge in, whether your, your lawn clippings or your bagging your leaves and all that kind of stuff. And it works really well. And he's really, uh, I, he gave me a, a sample to try out at home and it works really well. And I know that, um, with this quick bagot, um, you spell it by K-W-I-K and then bagot.com. Uh, this, this bag, he's also working with the cans for Cosmo, uh, this, this week where they have their 50th anniversary and they're actually, if you join in with the cans for Cosmo, they if you, uh, sign up for that, then they'll actually give you, uh, uh, 
a free um, quick baguette um, for, for doing some of the recycling. So it's a great invention. You can check it out at quickbaguette.com, and I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, it's an invention that made the person that invented right here in Saskatoon, and it is a way to, to stop making sure, because we're all using plastic bags to put our, you know, our leaves in and our, our, our bottles in and everything else, and this just is a recyclable uh, product that you can, um, that has a great holder to hold it up, and you can get the, actually get the bag out of it. So if you ever had those holders that once it's full, you just, you can't get the bag out of the holder. Well, this one here works really well to get the bag out really easy, and uh, so it's something that you can use, and uh, and it's something you can check out, and like I said, if you're uh, interested in the Cosmo uh, for cans, uh, great, great cause here in, in, in Saskatoon, especially here, um, that works really good to support that as well. Good morning, I'm Rick Van Damdijk, and you're listening to Garden Talk. And uh, let's join me on the phone at one 332 or the text line as well, the same number, one 332 We have a few texts we're going to get right to here. And uh, uh, Debbie from Crooked Lake, good morning, I have a shamrock that's getting a bit quite leggy. Can I cut it down and start it again more more density? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you can trim the shamrocks. They'll they'll actually just fill out and and um, uh, yeah, that'll be not a problem at all. So you can do that. And how uh, another question here is um, how much gypsum do I add to help clay soil? Um, gypsum. What you can do is I, I would just put if you put if gypsum you put about a half an inch. Uh, along a quarter to half an inch, a layer along your whole garden, and then work it into the tops, you know, four to six inches of the soil. And if it's really hard, also, same time, add in some um, cedar mulch. Not the bark nuggets, and you want the mulch with all the little sticks and everything else. That'll actually break it up a lot quicker as well. But if you do both of them, you'll have a garden where you just go and just walk through and just pick the weeds out and, and, uh, in the spring, in the summertime, and it'll stay, and your plants will do so much better as well because it'll just have so much porosity into your soil and, uh, and they'll do a lot better. So, um, so that's two things you can do there is just add gypsum or add some, um, um, some, some uh, cedar mulch, uh, all those, like I said, those sticks, uh, or just compost. Compost, a lot of you have compost, I have a lot of different, uh, a lot of people put compost, you have, you have different grass, you have grass clippings in there, you have branch clippings, you might have some little bit of soil in there, and so you mix it all up, and all those little, um, as long as you're, you're just not all grass clippings, um, then that'll help break it up too. So when you put all kinds of sticks and everything else kind of thing, that actually is a better compost than just a grass clipping and just, uh, and leaves, um, because the, those just help, especially for clay soil. Um, other things you can do is, uh, for this fall is that making sure that you're, you're starting to think about your house plants. Uh, a lot of people brought in their house plants from outside and they just haven't really quite realized or they're starting to realize now because we're seeing a lot of calls about that at the garden center about the hitchhikers that came on to your plants when you brought them in and you didn't really notice them because they, they were going kind of dormant. They were starting to go dormant, but now you brought them inside and they're waking back up again. And so we're getting a lot of calls from people that are seeing fungus gnats, which is the biggest one, the little black flies that fly around and bug you when you're eating your breakfast in the morning because you're breathing and they love that breath you have in the morning. And so um, they're coming 
of the soil and fungus gnats, uh, the, the adults, the fly itself, don't do anything other than annoy you. Uh, it's the, when they lay their eggs in the soil, the little tiny little maggots, the little worm, uh, they can eat on the roots. They're usually in the top um, a couple inches of the soil. Uh, one way you can get rid of those, probably the easiest way to get rid of those, is just uh, is put a slice of potato on top of the soil and leave it there for a day or two. Lift up the potato after a couple days and then have a little spoon with you and you'll see the bottom of the potato will be covered all these little worms and then you, there'll be some on the soil underneath it. Just take the spoon and scoop them up and toss it away. Put another potato on there again and just repeat that, pro, that process until you have no, no more left. You can also use little sticky traps that you little tiny called sticky traps and you can stick them on the little yellow ones that you can stick them in the soil. You don't really notice them that much, but they catch those adult ones from, from laying more eggs. So you can do that as well. Um, one thing also people ask me about, uh, about watering the plants. Um, uh, watering the plants. Make sure that most plants that you have in your, in your, in for the winter time, you want to be able to stick your index finger right down as far as you can into the pot. Okay, especially if it's a if it's a larger pot, and you do not want to water until you can't feel any moisture. Okay, and then once you don't feel any moisture for that depth, which is usually about an inch and a half or so approximately, uh, then you can water the plant thoroughly so it comes out the bottom of the pot. Uh, and then you don't water it again at all until you can stick your finger in and you don't feel any moisture at all. That's a, if you do it that way, uh, you'll, 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 your plant will do a lot better and it won't be overwatered or won't be underwatered. And, and you could check with, that's the best way. Uh, a lot of your, if you have a lot of succulents in that, the best way to check for those ones, just actually just take your two fingers and just, just pinch the, um, uh, some of the, the leaves on them. If they feel plump, that means they got a lot of reserve. If they feel starting looking wrinkly or they feel soft, then the plant needs to be watered and then they'll t fill up those, uh, those little pouches they have in their leaves again and then they'll be great for, for the, for the, for the next time we need to water. Um, we also talked about for watering is using, um, uh, your finger or you can also use, um, um, uh, a water uh, moisture meter. Um, there's all kinds of moisture meters here. We talked about uh, this last summer, another product called Quench. It's a little, uh, it, they have a Kickstarter still going on right now. You can look, it's Q-U-E-N-C-H. It's another inventors here from the prairies. Uh, these people from Edmonton. And they invented a little uh, a little moisture meter that you can stick into the soil. And what it'll, it'll do is it'll actually beep at you when the water plant needs moisture. So it'll remind you. And so, um, and at nighttime, it won't even beep at you. It won't wake you up in the middle of the night, it'll actually just a little light will flash on it. And so uh, they work really well, and uh, I've tried them, and, uh, and so it just gives that little reminder when it needs to be moisture, and you don't have to remember, okay, did I water it? No, because in the wintertime, you don't water quite as much as you do in the summertime, and so um, uh, that's just a good way to remind you. Um, transplanting your lot of plants, uh, you can trans, I like transplanting a lot of my house plants in, in, in this more in March type of thing. Uh, but some people do transplant them. Uh, a lot of plants do love to be pruned as well. Uh, especially if you've got things like hibiscus inside, uh, that you can, you can always transplant the, uh, I mean, the, prune a plant like hibiscus, uh, it will bloom like crazy for you a lot better. And, uh, and so just thin it out or, or shape it a bit. Uh, they will do really good. And, um, uh, one thing you're going to watch while we talk about the bugs, mealybugs is the one that you're going to watch for a lot. They're a little white bug, a little fuzzy bug, and you'll see them in the crotches of the branches and along the branches, not so much on the leaves. Sometimes you get on the, on the backside of the leaves, but the best way for that one is using a Q-tip or something like that and that with some rubbing alcohol or using Endol. That works really well as well. Um, we have Ian here. We'll take a call from Saskatoon. Ian, you have a house plant. So we just got a couple minutes here. What's your question for me? 
Yeah, uh, thanks for that potato slice. <laughs> yeah. I like that idea. It's simple. Um, it works. When you're watering house plants, yep. it, does, is it better to just put some, you know, lukewarm, cool, whatever water in the sink and put the pots down in the water? Or is, or is it okay to water from the top? Well, water from the top, there's some plants you can't, like uh, African violets don't like it over the top, you know. Uh, so especially over the leaves, because the leaves are so tight to the pot. Uh, so you can, the best way is, is to, you know, let them soak it up from the bottom, um, just like you talked about. That's a great way for a lot of plants that you can soak it up from the bottom, but that's if you have smaller pots, obviously, right? Uh, yeah. Some of your bigger plants, you put them on the top. One thing you gotta remember though is, is try not to use tap, straight, straight out tap water. The best thing to do is let the water sit out in, in a, an open bowl, like a salad bowl with a big surface area. And if you do have chlorine or anything in the water, it'll evaporate out. And also the water will come up more of a temperature of your room temperature. And for the wintertime, just if you can collect some rainwater coming, like right now it's raining, grab some rainwater coming out of your yeast trough or even melt some snow in the wintertime. That's even better for the plant. Uh, if you use distilled water, if you have a reverse osmosis, that works well as it takes all the other stuff out. You just got to remember you got to add your fertilizer because that reverse osmosis also takes out all the micronutrients out of the water as well. Actually, what you just said about fertilizer, and yep. you mentioned African violets. Our African violets are losing their green on the leaves. So what do we fertilize those with? You can use, there's actually an African violet fertilizer. That works oh, okay. really well. And uh, just make sure that in, you, to get African violets do well, you need to have supplemental light. Uh, they won't bloom much for you in the wintertime, and they will go a little bit lighter color if they don't get their 12 hours of sunlight. So you need to set up a grow light and put it on a timer and have 12 hours of light. Okay, thank okay? you. You're welcome. Well, that wraps up another uh, another Garden Talk. So thank you for joining me. Join me next week here on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.